This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Hello and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host. It's December 21st, 2022. We're at the tail end of what has been a really rough year. And joining me as always is Arusha Pierce. He's an O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. How are you doing, Arusha? I'm doing well, Justin, and, and I'm very excited for the two guests that are on today. I am too. It's, it's like we've got uh, two legends of Wall Street. Um, of course, we're going to be welcoming back to the show Tom Dorsey. Uh, he was the founder of Dorsey Wright, uh, which has been now bought by NASDAQ. Uh, he literally wrote a book on point and figure charts, uh, really popularized uh, that method of analysis. So welcome back to the show, Tom. How are you? Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great. Great yeah. to be here. Uh, awesome to have you. And uh, we're also joined by Ralph Acampora. And uh, now Ralph is a legend in his own right. This is one of the co-founders of the Chartered, Chartered Market Technician uh, Association. And, you know, he's known as kind of the godfather of technical analysis. So he's been at it for a while. So we can't wait to hear some of his stories. Welcome to the show, Ralph. How are you? I'm fine, Justin. Thank you for inviting me and Tom. Let's yeah, see. well, it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you both. And I know that, Ralph, you're dealing with some some weather issues, uh, but you look great right now. Uh, eight inches of snow, negative 20 degrees. I live in Southern California, so that's completely foreign to me. I, I don't even know what that <laughs> means. Over, so. over my right shoulder, you'll see the window behind me. It's all white yeah. out there. Oh, I thought that was a painting. Yeah. I had no idea. I'm on a lake. Uh -huh. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> okay. Very nice. Well, uh, let's, let's go ahead and get, get started. Um, you know, Tom, we've, we've kind of heard from Tom a little bit about his background uh, last time he was on the podcast, but uh, Ralph, maybe tell us a little bit about how you got started uh, and why technical analysis? What was it about technical analysis that spoke to you so much? Well, it's a long story, but uh, in 1967, I unfortunately had a very serious automobile accident and that changed my life. And uh, when I was in the hospital, my father's very good friend was a Wall Street executive, actually. And uh, I told him that I enjoyed reading <clears throat> the Wall Street Journal and Forbes magazine. And he said, oh, that's research. I'll get you a job. He couldn't get me a job because I didn't have, have an MBA. And then I saw an ad in the paper said, junior analysts wanted no experience necessary. I said, wow, that's my job. You know, I was on crutches and I ran over and I, I think the guy was afraid I was going to hit him with my crutch. I was so excited about the job. I said, I wash windows, do floors and, you know, and uh, he said, and the guy backed away and he said, all right, all right. He hands me this book. He said, you read this book over the weekend, come in, you got a job Monday. That book changed my life. And, and uh, what was that book, Ralph? Technical analysis of the stock market by Edwards and McGee. That was the Bible in those yep. days. Right. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You, you know what it made me and everybody else do? It made us follow prices. And all of a sudden, if I could identify an uptrend or a downtrend, I had an opinion. Mm -hmm. I, and here was a guy that had absolutely no background. All of a sudden, I could tell you what I thought about IBM and gold and, you know, whatever. And I said, wow, that's cool stuff. That's mm -hmm. how it started. Yeah, that's awesome. And now, Tom, of course, uh, one of the things that really spoke to you, uh, you kind of you kind of often refer to it as like your message from God when you, uh, you know, looked a little bit at the point and figure system. And again, it really came down to price for you, right? It did, you know, because I have a degree in economics and uh -huh. probably the most important courses I had in college and I could have stopped right there was Econ 101 and Statistics 101. 
Mm -hmm. Those two things were the most important courses I had in college and stuck with me the rest of my life. The Econ 101, the supply and demand, the irrefutable law of supply and demand stuck with me. And when I started this business was, well, Ralphie and I, hell, we, we got over a hundred years together. (laughs) I mean, once we're gone, there's not many people that can, can, can go back a hundred years. I mean, between the two of us. Right. Thank you. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah good, good that you didn't put that all on ralph himself <laughs> yeah ralph, ralph's not that old he's still a young man yeah and you're the puppy I guess. <laughs> that's right and i'm 75 um i started at merrill lynch back in 1974 and i first applied there and they weren't hiring anyone because i it was early 74 and people had just been wiped out yeah through 73 74 bear markets And here I was, a 20-something kid just came back from training school at Merrill Lynch, and I'm here to save everybody. Mm -hmm. And nobody ever even told me it was a bear market. I had no idea. I'm 20-something. I'm going to Merrill Lynch training school learning how to sell. So I come back to Merrill Lynch every day, and I get on the phone, and I would say, good morning, Mr. Jones. I said, say this 100 times a day. My name's Tommy Dorsey. My company's Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith. The reason I called is twofold. First, I'd like to introduce myself. And second, I'd like to avail the services of my firm to you. Do you invest open-ended question? Mm-hmm. Then they will come back to me and say, Mr. Dorsey, I don't want to become acquainted with you. You can go to hell. <laughs> Another person, lady I'm talking to, she says, oh, you're a stockbroker. Well, the last one I had made me just that broker. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to come to realization this is a tough business prospecting people. And then I start getting the, getting the idea that you've just been wiped out. Nobody even told me that. And so at the end of the first year, I said, if I'm going to be successful in this business, I got to become an expert at something. And I looked around the office and nobody was doing options because they were, they were new. They were yeah. only a year or so old. Right. right. Said, options are going to be my direction. And Options were, and I eventually got hired by by Wheat for Securities to start and manage their first option strategy department. So here's where my life changes. First person I hire, Steve Kane was his name, wonderful, wonderful young man from North Carolina, brings this book with him right here. It's called The Three-Point Reversal Method of Point and Figure Stock Market Trading. Mm-hmm. This one is $7.95. His was $2.95 that he gave me. So -hmm. you can see what's happened with inflation. But as I read this book and I read the first paragraph of the introduction, and it brought me back to economics 101, and it's talking about that stocks don't go up unless there are more buyers and sellers willing to sell. And say, hey, I I get that. Next thing I know, after this one paragraph right here, my life changed. I looked over at this chart on the next page and there was no writing. It was a point and figure chart. And I said, that chart speaks to me. And here's why I'm dyslexic. I couldn't read all my life, Mm -hmm. but the point and figure chart, when I looked at that, it spoke to me. And I knew that moment that night that I read that book, that, that, that the reason I'm here on earth was to, teach my brothers and sisters this methodology as long as I'm alive. And that's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. Nine years later, 
after running that department and learning everything I could about options, I started Dorsey Wright and Associates. Walked mm-hmm. down the street with nothing, and said, "Okay, now now's the time." It's it's like you you put you, you put a, a a megaphone upside down on your face so that when you start with your program, you look to the end and say, "This is where I have to put my resignation in and start my company." But right here, I can make mistakes. I yeah. can make mistakes in that. But as you come down there, and as the years pass, and you get to that end of that megaphone, you got to make your decision and 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 move on. And that's right. what I did. Mm-hmm. So so back in that time, right? So back in the seventies, when when you're both well in a technical analysis, you know, was it accepted in the industry at that time? Ralph, we'll, we'll start with you. What was your experience that I'm time? I'm the right guy to ask because I I was in the industry. Yeah. Okay. I was in New York as an analyst. And uh, I met a young, another young analyst, say Johnny Brooks was his name. I was uh, in 1970, I was around 26, 27 years old. I think Brooksy was like 25, something like that. We were a couple of years different. And we were both junior analysts at the New York Society of Security Analysts. That's where all the analysts went. So you got to understand years ago, Corporate America, when they wanted to talk to Wall Street analysts, they actually came to Wall Street, came to that society, had a big luncheon, and the chairman of the company and the vice chairman and the CEO, CFO, whatever, would talk about their company. Wow. And the analysts would politely sit there, raise their hand, ask questions, go back to the report with their notes, go back to their company and write the reports on these companies. And Johnny and I were never allowed to go to these things because we were mere chartists and they say they say we were in the back of the bus hell we weren't even on the bus <laughs> and what really bothered brooksy and i is that we realized that the different analyst group like the chemical analysts and the drug analysts and the food analysts would have separate meetings and they would talk about their industries and all and then one day johnny and i decided to say gee why don't technical analysts have meetings and that's the beginning of of a whole situation that I am so, so proud of because it changed the world of technical analysis. That organization, the Market Technicians Association was the original name. Yep. Now it's called the Chartered Market Technicians. We'll probably talk to uh, that in a few minutes. CMT Association, it's called today. Um, that brought technicians together. The first evening dinner meeting, I don't know if you know this, Tom, we had a guy by the name of Edson Gould was our first sure. speaker. Yeah, and no one at the time ever met him, but they knew his work. Three Steps in the Stumble, and he had all sorts right. of indicators. Yeah. He was, Anametrics, I think, was the company he wrote or worked for or owned or something. And uh, I said, wow, this is interesting. Look at this, you know? And then we were talking to other Wall Street analysts and it grew over the years. So. When we started, um, we had to fight the, the system. You know, they we weren't uh, weren't uh, looked upon as a, a legitimate form of uh, analysis. But as the years go by, and we'll talk about this later. What happened when the Sarbanes Oxley law came out? We'll talk about that later, two thousand four. How things changed again. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what's what's on, yeah. what's on my mind, Ralph, is what you've done with the Market Technicians Association. Is you brought technical analysis up to an even level with the chartered market technician, yeah. chartered market analyst with the, with the fundamental guys. Yeah. You brought, you and Brooksy brought that up there. And I'll tell you what is the most important thing in the world, which 
Thank you. What you did helped me along the way develop Dorsey Wright and Associates. I'm glad to hear the say you say that, Tom. Seriously, that that's 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 great. So it, it did it did bring more credibility to you. Right? Absolutely absolutely. See, and you know, wow, with your partner with John Brooks, I met him in Kuala Lumpur at the very first International Asian Technical Analysis Conference. Oh, and who do I run into? Your partner, John Brooks. And yeah. he and I were like, we, we stuck yeah. together like yeah. you wouldn't believe. Yeah, he was and, very uh, nice. I got to know him well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's a very uh, powerful little guy. You know, you yes. got <laughs> he, he got you in his clutches. Yeah. And he conveyed, well, it was it was the time. You know, years ago, I, I, I love to tell this to the young people. I mean, they look at me and laugh when I tell years ago when, Tom, when you got into the business, that bear market, wow, at 73, 74, that was the, this, the worst bear market since the crash in 1929. The crash in 1929, right. the Dow dropped 89%. That bear market that Tom was talking about, that was the Arab oil crisis, that Dow dropped 45%, you know? And, uh, you know, I, I in talking about point and figure, I worked for a guy by the time, name of Alan Shaw at that time, very well respected technician, great, yes. wonderful, wonderful man. And I remember him that when we had that little group of market analysts would meet the technical analysts. And uh, I, I told Alan, I said, geez, you know, I'm having a little trouble with these guys. We're disagreeing on the market. And we, Alan, Alan nailed the top of that bear market. I mean, there were so many tops, uh, Tom, point and figure top, because I kept the point and figure library going, and massive tops. And they started breaking down in price, but the volume guys were saying, oh, don't worry about those breakdowns, they're on light volume. And then yeah. I said, Alan, he said, and Alan said, remember, young man, bear markets start on light volume. They end on heavy volume. Oh, I I like that. That's the greatest message I ever got. So point and figure. Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Tom. That was the beginning of everything for me also. Yeah. It's the only thing that made any sense to me. And, and, and I carried that through my whole career. And eventually what happened was NASDAQ found it necessary to buy a technical analysis company mm -hmm. and in particular point and figure technical analysis. So all of a sudden, yeah. A massive firm like NASDAQ buys a technical analysis company. We go from the back of the office to the front of the office. <laughs> you know, when people walk in and say, Where, where's, where's, the tech, where's the technician here? Uh, he's sitting in the back over there. Don't, don't talk. He, he's got this. You have to knock on the closet, huh? <laughs> he's got this nervous tick. You know, he, he didn't like to talk to many people. He's in the back row. Where's the fundamental guy? He's in the front row. But all of a sudden, when NASDAQ bought Dorsey Wright, we went to the front row. And that's because of Ralph. And, and developing that uh, market technicians association. That's that's it. it. That that guy right there did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I he got I you on the have, bus, right? I, I do have to say because I, I am a CMT Ralph, and yes. I used to go. I used to go to the Boston MTA meetings, you know, yeah. twenty plus years ago, and I just remember being so excited that I could talk to other people who were yeah. into technical analysis. Yes, that's right. right. So yeah, that, so it changed my life and fact, um, yeah, another one. So, so in the early you. days of the Market Technicians Association, uh, uh, the guys in Boston, a fellow by the name of Bill Doan at Fidelity, uh, Walt Deemer at mm -hmm. uh, yes. Putnam, yes. Yep. and um, Bill Diani at Wellington. And they had, uh, to this day, Fidelity has a, an enormous chart room. It's, it's absolutely fabulous. Yep. And uh, they were also part of the community. So you had not, it wasn't just New York-centric. Now we're out in 
you know, we got California uh, out in up in Boston. And then years later, we moved out to, down to Florida and uh, we had a seminar down there and there were technicians down there. Uh, 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 Lowry report. Remember the yes. Lowry service? Yep, absolutely. Lowry? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Very famous. Yeah. And it, he didn't, we heard of each other, but we never met each other, but the MTA kept reaching out and it was, it's fabulous. It's just well, fabulous. So, so Ralph, actually, so maybe talk about like the CMT annual symposium, yeah. right? It, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's grown to this really big event. I mean, I, I was there a few years ago and I got to speak at the event and it was a, it was a massive crowd and yeah. it just, and it was, I was amazed at the, the people that I met there, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're top of the top people. Um, yeah. Talk about just that growth because, and that's where I met Tom, yeah. right? I mean, and, and, that, and you've that, got the 50th what, anniversary coming up, right? Yeah. Thank you very much for saying that. Cause I'm just going to give you a plug. Uh, <laughs> April 26th and 28th of uh, next year, you got to come. I mean, yep. it's going to be just awesome. It's going to be in New York. And uh, we're going to have everybody. We're trying to get the old, old technicians. God bless them. They're still alive. Like Newton Zinder, Alan, uh, Alan Shaw, Bob Farrell. Wow. Uh, it's wow. going to be awesome. And uh, just to share what had happened. But prior to that, um, and this is my interpretation, uh, the most important date in modern technical analysis history is Friday, December 17, 2004, when myself, and David Krell and um, uh, Tom, uh, a couple of other guys, uh, we got together and we fought the Sarbanes-Oxley law that came out that year that said all analysts had to take the levels one and two of the CFA exam. I said, no, not me. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, not, a, I'm, not, I'm a, not a fundamentalist. I'm a technical analyst. And we fought. And we, my argument was, hey, guys, I was talking to the lawyers. I said, you know, test us. We want to be tested, but test us on our body of knowledge. Right. But that right. one of the lawyers jump up, jumps up and says, oh, Ralphie, we see you on television. You're a nice guy. And then he shoves a chart in my face. I mean, these are like rubber. I said, oh, God, he's asking me a question. And he says, what's fact on this chart? And I look at it. And I said, price is a fact. His <laughs> eyes got about this exactly. big. Yeah. With my finger, I went like this to his chest. I said, and earnings are an estimate. You restate, <laughs> never restate this chart. <laughs> That's awesome. That's excellent. And four months later, March of uh, uh, 2005, we got approval. So that CMT exam is now equal to and relevant to the CFA. Right. Mm -hmm. That to yeah. me was the ultimate, you know, Tom? Yeah. I'm doing everything in the back of the bus. Now we're on the bus. In fact, we're even driving the damn bus. <laughs> we're driving the damn bus. That's, that's exactly right. That's awesome. And, and that's the way it, that's the way it should be. You know, I mean, they changed they changed their their fundamental analysis. Remember when they came up with pro forma? Oh yeah. That was like, okay, how do we keep this rally going? We don't have any more fundamentals that we can even talk about. We're going to come up with this new term pro forma, which means nothing. But it's doing great in a pro forma basis. So let's keep the rally going. And I'll tell you, you know, with the dot-com crash in 2000, um, I was mentioning to Arusha the, that what happened was you had dentists and doctors who gave up their practice mm -hmm. to go rent a desk with a computer to trade the, the tech stocks. 
Yeah. And they eventually lost it all. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the timing in which both Tom and Ralph got started and some of the stories that they have from their years on Wall Street. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Apple, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome <laughs> back to the Investing with IVD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, and I'm always joined by Arusha Pires, O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager, and we've got two special guests here, legends of Wall Street and technical analysis, Tom Dorsey and Ralph Akampora. Uh, so, Ralph, at the break, you were telling us a really interesting story, and this was, this was you know, from a, a question from Tom, you know, where he was saying, hey, tell them what you did on your Sundays as you were uh, uh, coming up in the uh, field of technical analysis. So go ahead and share that story, if you don't mind. Well, I, I had an, off, uh, uh, an apartment, which was right in lower Manhattan, because I always wanted to be close to the office. And uh, so all the guys, the traders and the, and the salespeople, and, and I worked for Prudential at the time, uh, mm -hmm. that the incident happened. And uh, they knew, and they would come to the apartment and whatever. But on, on weekends, I was by myself. And, uh, but uh, there's a charting service called Mansfield at the time. And in fact, uh, I think you still can get the service. And it was a weekly bar chart, and you had everything. I mean, all the New York, all the American over-the-counters, that was a real thick uh, publication. And I didn't wait until they mailed it to me because I would get it on Monday or Tuesday. It was too late when I had it hand-delivered. I mm. paid extra for it, hand-delivered to my house. I either get it on late Saturday afternoon or early Sunday morning. I definitely would have it. And what I would do is segregate hours on a Sunday afternoon. I would sit at my kitchen table I can look out my window. I can almost touch the Statue of Liberty. Yes, I was at a beautiful apartment in, in lower Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd sit there with my Mansfield going through then in the glass of Merlot. Mm -hmm. And I have uh, I keep turning the pages and I keep drinking my Merlot. <laughs> and after a while, I had a lot of very nice ideas. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how many glasses of Merlot well, were you into I, it before uh, you finished uh, that many charts? Probably, should have glasses, glasses or bottles. Yes. Anyway. Um, Monday morning, of course, I did have the conference call. We always had a, a research conference call at 7 a.m. And I'd be there. And of course, at Monday morning, to have fresh ideas for the sales force and the traders. And they loved it because they would take those ideas and run with them. And uh, when they found out that I was drinking the Merlot, they kept saying, go oh, keep drinking, Ralph, keep drinking. That's good. <laughs> and then they started sending me cases of the stuff to the house. And like, when people said, what are you doing on Sundays? I said, I'm eating my M&Ms. Yeah. <laughs> Mer Merlot and Mansfield, huh? Oh, yeah. now, 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 Tom, what about you? Uh, you? You kind of had your own process. I mean, when you first started out, uh, started with your company, I mean, you didn't have that many of you. So, how, how did you do your, your analysis? Well, we had to, so we started in 1987 and okay. January 87, we had no computer. We had a Tandy 3000 mm -hmm. computer. It's all we could afford. And that's in the Smithsonian Institute. Now that doesn't even run anything. <laughs> and you could, you didn't have charting systems or any of no technology. No. Yeah. So we would update 2,500 stocks by hand every day. I had five analysts and each one of them would take a 500 uh, stock book 
and update it by hand. So looking at with a point and figure, you don't update every day like a bar chart. Okay. But you got you have to look at the price. Did it right. hit this or did it hit that? And I'm going to make O's or X's. Mm -hmm. And then after that day, you would give that 500 share book to the next analyst. So by the end of the week, every analyst had seen all 2,500 stocks. And that's where we got our ideas from every day. So mm -hmm. when the analyst was looking at his 500 share stock, he came across a few things. That, oh boy, these look fantastic. We're going to put these. This is going to be ideas. Mm -hmm. So all five of them, we would come up with the ideas and, and, and put them out that way. And it worked great. And finally, we got technology. I think it was around 1993, 94, we got the technology that could run all those stocks, run the computer program, update them every day. And it took me a lot to get those charts out of my analyst's hands. They didn't want to give it up. They had they their system didn't down. didn't want to give yeah. it up doing it by hand. But uh -huh. we had to. I mean, we had to move with technology. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we so were you, on the internet 1994. We were on the net 94. So, so, so Tom, you, you mentioned 1987. So yep. I'll ask Ralph this. So, Ralph, what, what are your experiences and memories from 1987 since I was such a significant time in the stock market? Well, I, I, I don't have a very good memory on that. Let alone, let, let me put it this way. I don't want to remember. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I, I hate to tell this story because, well, it's the truth. It, I was on the cover of Barron's magazine about a, two weeks before the crash. Wow. I was on there with Bob Prechter, Elliott Wave guy, very yep. important. Yep. Uh, Marty Zweig, who was yep. on Wall Street Week. He had the put call ratio and things like that. And they were actually actually using the phrase crash. And I was saying, well, I think we're going to have a little pullback. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, obviously, it was, was a massive decline. And um, I, I know Tom was pretty well prepared for that decline, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, uh, yeah. not that I couldn't see the decline coming. I didn't have the magnitude of the decline. You right. know, they said right. there's a decline coming, coming in to calculate, especially that one. It was just a straight line down. So right. it, was, right. it was a hard call. That's my bad call. Later, I hope yeah. you ask me about my good call. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we'll, we'll make sure. Tom, why, why don't you talk about your 87 experience? Yeah. Well, 87 experience, that's when the company started yeah. in January of 1987. And we... We started with $90,000 borrowed from Dominic and Dominic in New York City, old line brokerage firm, and owed that back with interest in one year. Hmm. And so we had nothing. You know, I had a pregnant wife, two young sons, and about to have my daughter in November of 2000, or excuse me, 1987. Mm -hmm. So when all of a sudden the crash of 87 happened, we only... Before it happened, we only knew one thing, the bullish percent index on point and figure charting. That was created by A.W. Cohen back in the 40s. And it was simply a calculation of the percentage of stocks on the New York Stock Exchange that were on point and figure buy signals. It's not price related, but it's, it's point and figure related. So if you have a condition in which 70% of the stocks are on point and figure buy signals on the New York Stock Exchange, you're, you're, everyone's in that wants to be in. And that's where the risk begins to happen. And when you're at 30%, everyone is sold that wants to sell. If you haven't sold yet, your parents gave you a, a $2 stock that you have in your portfolio and you can't sell. It's Coca-Cola, $2. You know, so um, it was it was 
an interesting experience because we were option related. Watson, mm. I ran the option department and Watson was my right hand man there at, at Wheat for Securities. All we knew was to hedge. And we wrote the report every day down to the crash of what to do to protect your portfolio. When that bullish percent had reversed twice, there was no question in our mind the downside was the play. We had no idea how bad it would get, but right. you had to play defense. Yeah. And the only way to play defense with us was selling calls, buying puts, doing various different strategies until we finally ran out of stuff to talk about. And that was about a week after that the crash happened. Hmm. So it, the crash actually saved my company because it was the one time that we actually advertised uh, what we had said. Here's what we said before the crash, save my company. Otherwise, option strategy companies were, were going down like you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was more lawsuits and, and things like that. Wow. that the, right. the stuff that happened was just unbelievable. And um, here you had this huge marketing opportunity because you could say, hey, here, here's what we said and here's what happened. We protected Yeah, you. like I told Arusha, I said, you know, what I used to do, I used to fly all the time. Yeah. And I'm in airports all the time. I used to put Dorsey Wright flyers in, 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 in the uh, stalls, in the men's room. If you're going <laughs> to sit there, you're going to read about Dorsey Wright. Captive audience, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just, you know, you're the, head, you're the head of sales. I mean, you're in charge of sales, so I'm not going to waste that time, you know? <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you used a flyer and didn't, you know, have a, a personal meeting. Uh, yeah, no, just, I just, any stall that was empty, I put the flyer in there and uh -huh. Well, you know, so, what? we got we got to give uh, Ralph a chance to redeem himself. Yes. Uh, so, Ralph, you know, what, what was your good call uh, that you made? Uh, that's great. Um, I have to go back to a conversation I had in 1970 when we started the Market Technicians Association. It was mm -hmm. the first evening me meeting that we had. And I'm sitting next to uh, I, I talked about Johnny Brooks before the co-founder with me. Well, Johnny and I were sitting be on either side of an old gentleman by the name of Ken Ward. Ken Ward was the oldest living technician I ever met in my life. He was about yeah. 82, 83 years old. This is 1970. That meant, he meant that he lived through every bull and bear market in the 20th century. And he mm -hmm. wrote about most of them. So I, I, I sat down. I was, it was like me sitting next to Mickey Mantle. I, you know, oh, boy, this is really exciting. For those who remember Mickey Mantle, the Yankee uh, outfield. Right okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I uh, leaned over and I said, Mr. Ward, sir, what was the most difficult market you ever had to live through and write about? I said, oh, forgive me. That's a dumb question. It has to be the crash of 29. And with a grovelly voice, he leans over and Johnny and I, the three of our heads are close to each other. And he leans over and he says, don't worry, young man. He said, that wasn't the worst market. He said, don't we want, we lost money. Don't get me wrong. But the toughest market to call was the early 60s. I said, but it went up. He said, it sure did. And no one believed it. We kept saying it's overboard, overboard, over. We fought it all the way up. You go check the Wall Street Journal. You'll see me and uh, Ralph Rottenham and all these other tech, great technicians at the time. And we didn't, we couldn't believe the strength. I mm -hmm. never forgot that. Mm -hmm. In 1994, late 94, early 1995, the Dow was up like about eight, 900 points without a correction. And here I am 25 years later. And this conversation is ringing in my head. You know what I did? Again, 
no computers in those days. I couldn't go online. So I went to the New York Public Library in Midtown Manhattan. And I coughed for, for a whole week, going through every Wall Street Journal. There were stacks of them. They had them. And I read every Wall Street Journal from 1960 to 1966. I did my research. Wow. I wanted to go through that period of time that he was talking about. And what I found that was interesting was actually a fundamental uh, in, uh, situation there was low inflation, low interest rates. And that was the theme of my article. The Dow comes out. I, the, the, the article reads, the title of my report was Dow 7000. And then Dow at the time was 3800. And everybody thought I was out of my mind. Yeah. You know, and the, fortunately, the firm allowed me to write it because they were saying, this is crazy. What are you doing? And they they agreed. And I put the report out. By the way, it was a 58 page report with lots of charts in it and everything. And I was wrong. It didn't take three years. It did it in two years. And wow. I have to thank. And I, to this day, I, I, I'm very humble. And I thank the MTA and the this is that sharing that that the whole organization is about. I mean, had I not had that conversation, I would never have probably written that letter. And, and then and you probably, had a happy client, too. Right. Yeah, right. Ralph? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and Mansfield and Merlot's. And I uh, kept raising my target and I raised the next target to 10,000. And I caught the whole uh, late, I caught the whole 90s period. And by the way, on the way up, we didn't know it was dot com, this dot com, that, but it yeah. became that at the latter period. And as Tom mentioned before, everybody got involved because it was easy. Yeah, it was the market kept climbing crazy. And that move from 7,000 to 10,000 was not my point of view was not a fundamental call which the first part was low inflation low interest from 7,000 10,000 was strictly momentum yeah and that's that was technical analysis that helped me go that far right mm -hmm. yeah if, if, interesting story and mm -hmm. thanks for asking because I, I want other people to listen to that you know because you'll have reasons and then you don't have reasons for moves but you never fight the trend <laughs> Right. That's right. right. You, yes. you can't. You, you got to go with the, or the Fed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you say low inflation, uh, you know, low interest rates. It reminds me of a, a time not too far back was that yes. we had. Right. <laughs> that uh, really, you know, really led to some powerful gains. Um, so. Well, so, Tom, you know what? actually, let's well, let's ask, ask him about 1982. Right. Because that, yeah. that, that's been that obviously significant for, for us. at oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Why don't you guys talk about 1982? Well, well, let me let me talk about the years leading up to it. Now, okay. I came into business in 1967. The year before that, 1966, the Dow had the first time it hit a thousand and then dropped 20 percent. And for the next 14, 15, 16 years, the Dow couldn't get above a thousand. And I, I had all these guys that I was working for that these long depressed faces <laughs> and i'm saying to myself why did i get in this business everybody's so unhappy and mean and nasty and rah, rah. you know the market go up for a, a year and then it go down for a year and it was oh it was horrible it was horrible but in 1982 well by the way that period of time we look back now we call it stagflation right right okay Intra, uh, prime rate was 21 and a half percent when I say that to the kids today, they look at me like I got a hole in my head. I bought that apartment yeah. that I was talking about. I, I, I paid 10% mortgage and they kissed the bank and they didn't charge me 12%. You know, and they, they're worried about the mortgage now being 6 7%. Give me a break. Come on. Yeah. Exactly. Low inflation, man. And that's what happened in 82. They started to cut rates and started the whole period that 
maybe Tom could add to that too, I'm sure. Yeah, what was your experience in 82 there, Tom? Yeah, here's the thing that I'll never forget. <clears throat> the patterns that were developed by the great minds on point and figures back in the 30s and 80s and even Charles Dow in the late 1800s. Yeah. These simple things they created, that New York Stock Exchange bullish percent, which is um, near and dear to my heart, that bullish percent in 1982 was going up to a particular level. I can't think exactly what it might have been, 34, something like that. And it hit that and fell back. And it hit that and fell back. And it hit that level and fell back. This is the bullish percent now. This is the percent of stocks on the New mm -hmm. York Stock Exchange that have point and figure buy signals. So it's not price related. Then it hits the fourth time and exceeds that level. And we went 180 into this market. That was the beginning of a 20-year bull market. By then, by the time that bullish percent gave a buy signal for the market itself, the small caps were already up 20%. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so amazing. Yeah. It was I'll never forget I'll never forget that time. And that was the beginning of a 20-year bull market. I mean, it was yeah, we had tough times in between there. Sure, but sure. Overall. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of when my son came to my house a few years ago and he said, you know, I'm really worried about the market. And he said, my kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I said, Thomas, when I got in this business, the Dow Jones was 800. Yeah. I said, we've been, we wound down Vietnam. We've gone into, to all these far Eastern places. We've started wars. We've gone through 9-11. We've had everything you can possibly happen. And the Dow Jones is at 34,000. I said, what's up with that? So he said, then I guess in the S&P 500, we trust. And I had t-shirts made up. With that. In the S&P 500, we trust. <laughs> yeah, just that simple. Okay, well, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the current market, some of the stocks that are maybe on your radar right now, and certainly get into some more stories. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leveraged and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, along with Arusha Pierce, who joins me every week from O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Management. And we also have Tom Dorsey from the point and figure uh, Dorsey Wright operation from way back when, bought by NASDAQ not too long ago, and Ralph Acapora, the godfather of technical analysis. So let's get a little bit into the current market, but also some parallels and what, what's, what's kind of the same, what's different. So Tom, why don't you start us out? What's, what's your take on the current market as we've got the high inflation, interest rates on the rise, um, you know, a, a bear market for most of 2022? Uh, what, what's, what's your analysis here? Well, those kinds of things, we've been there before. Yeah. We've already seen that with the recessions. That's exactly the type of things that happen. But when you have this now with, with the invasion of Ukraine, with Putin talking about nuclear war, with recession on, on the wings, I mean, you could just line up all kinds of different things that could happen to sure. make, this, make this really bad. By the same token... The more you talk about things being bad, this is it will come to an end. This this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And 
what it has done for me though, when, when I turned 70 um, while back, <laughs> I, I come to the realization that most people today that have money are interested in having their pie out of the sky and on the table. Mm-hmm. And I manage probably 20 accounts of friends and family that charge nothing to do this. And the first question I ask them, and these are small accounts, do you want your pie in the sky or do you want it on the table? They said, what do, you, what do you mean? Are you interested in the technology types of stocks? You want Amazon, Apple, computer, all these types, or would you prefer to have something less volatile, higher yield? And the people in their 70s say, boy, nobody ever told me anything about that. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I want my pie on the table. So closed-end funds all of a sudden became an interesting play with me because these ladies who, who own big B-I-G-G um, whale, W-H-A-L-E.com, they're the best at this. And, and they came and asked me if I could help them market this to advisors. I'd sure be happy to do it. But I had to learn it to yeah. do that. As I learned it, I came to the realization, this is my way too. Hell, I'm mid-70s. I'm, I'm, I'm considered elderly um, whatever. I mean, with Ralphie, I don't even know where he is. I mean, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> but, <I'm out> here. <laughs> you, you know he can hear you right tom you know i mean he's <laughs> the thing with the closed end funds are they're they you can chart them and they're managed by people let's say they're a particular oil company or oil infrastructure these are the best managers in that and they're yielding eight nine and ten percent mm-hmm and that's what people are interested in. When you can get a check a month for something like that, and all of a sudden you're in your 70s, rather than having the, the wild technology type of stocks, say, what am I going to do with that? These things are, are going up and down and up and down and up and down. I want something that's stable and send me a check every month. Mm-hmm. I, want, I, want, I want the corn that's in the silo. I'm not right. so interested in my farm and whether the price goes up or down or whatnot. I want the rent. Keep mm-hmm. paying me that rent. And that's been the key for me. So I do a lot with, in my own portfolios, with closed-end funds. However, I'll take it a step further and margin that portfolio and do naked straddles and strangles, which Mm -hmm. is probably not a good idea, (laughs) especially for anyone, unless you're well-versed in options. But um, that's the kind of thing that I do now, and it's low volatility, um, high yield. And when that check comes in every month, that's income that's passive that you can use right whether it's for lifestyle or just kind of the luxuries that you you might want uh, to precisely well i have i have one couple and they have a small account with me and this account has been able to generate twenty thousand dollars a year to them this Mm -hmm. is meaningful now they're able to go visit their son in ibiza for two weeks Mm -hmm. a year and the husband who's six five can fly business class and and lay out flat on the plane. These are the these are the things that are important to people in their seventies mm-hmm. and eighties, Ralph. Yeah. You know that 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 you can have a better lifestyle rather than building up a portfolio full of Apple and Amazon and whatnot. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. Give it to your kids when when it's done. So what? Enjoy yourself now. Yeah, yeah. Ralph. So. What are your th- thoughts on the market, just from a, a general point of view? Tom was talking about strategy and, and 
investing and all. I'll talk about the overall market. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, this year has been a terrible year. You know, most stocks went down. You know, you could say at the bear market, 20%, et cetera. My red line, okay? I'm being very technical for a second. The support level for me and most important date was October 13th. We had that huge, I, I, that was a phenomenal reversal day. Right. The Dow was right. somewhere around 28,000, 29,000. Uh, I don't know the exact number. I get it for you if you want. And the S&P. And so I, I say they made, I was very enthusiastic about that low. Not that yeah. I was immediately a bull, but uh, we had a nice run, 20% rally off that low, uh, November, December. And the last couple of days, last week, it, we got hit with a karate chop. So we're going to get this back and forth. Um, I look over my shoulder just at the TV. Now the market had another nice great day it came out of nowhere so the volatility that we're in i i think will continue because what tom was uh, alluded to before between the all the cross currents between there's a war coming you know with i mean there is a war with the ukrainians and and then back and forth with the democrats and the republicans i mean this country is so split it's sickening i i i, I put the tv on mute not, just not to get aggravated and, and it's not a political statement on my part i'm an american who's upset about our politicians you can't agree on the weather these jerks right. and, uh, sorry for getting upset but um i i am a a little bit more positive and, and i as long as that october 13th level holds i think we're going to bounce around here uh, it looks like uh from today anyway, that maybe we're going to get our Santa Claus rally, which doesn't mean very much. I mean, it, it makes you feel good. It goes into mm -hmm. the first couple of days of the new year. Um, could we um, have another decline, a 10% decline, go down the test of the load? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's, you still got the Fed out there. Well, I got to say, Joel Powell, Je uh, Je uh, he, he was... Uh, he was pretty tough the last time he got on the TV. And uh, so, but the market's absorbing that. Yeah. I think the market is taking a punch in the nose, a punch in the nose, and it's holding. So I'm in the camp of saying, be very, very selective. Because as Tom pointed out, technologies, unless you're willing to take a risk, they, they don't look like they've bottomed out yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, when it comes to, you know, like, if you're a little, if you're a little, uh, uh, I won't say aggressive, but if you're willing to step up a little bit, uh, the uh, healthcare uh, I like, uh, uh, consumer staples I like, uh, uh, in uh, in industrials I like, like Boeing and things like that. You yeah. can nibble a little bit. So I'm not bearish, bearish. Uh, there's my red line. You take that out on the downside, and I'm history. Then the bear market has another leg down but other than that volatility here slowly market trying to bottom well and, and it sounds like some of those areas that you're talking about staples industrials um you know a little bit more on the defensive side yeah oh yeah well, well, things I, people I, need yeah, yeah. People right need. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 well mm -hmm. it, you it, know it, one... go, go ahead Tom. i'm sorry but one one way that people can play this type of market where it's very uncertain is with the option business. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with buying one call on Apple computer or whatever. And, but the key to option trading is don't trade them, buy a call, hold it till expiration. 
That's Jim Yates's, my, my old mentor, Jim Yates, the greatest guy in options, hold the call till expiration. He's dead right. You know, and that takes the emotion out of it. And you can diversify your portfolio with a small amount of money. Like Ralph, you say you, you, you have a point at which you're willing to stop. Mm-hmm. Then that's all you invest is what you're willing to stop. And, but yeah. do it in options and say, okay, if they go to hell in a handbasket, then I've, I've, I've managed my portfolio properly. Right. Hey, Tom, we finally agree on something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we always agree, Ralph. I mean, uh-huh. well, and, and you know what? Another thing is, I, I know that Tom, last time we had you on, um, you know, that that bullish percentage was starting to turn around. And I think just maybe a day or two after you were on our show, I think you got that signal, right. uh, the, the, the full the full bullish signal. That's right. Yeah, that was it, happened, it happened October 5th. Right. Yeah, so a little bit before that October 13th day, yeah. uh, the CPI report that Ralph was referring to. Yep. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. But it, it reversed up, but, but two days ago, it reversed down. So now we're back in what is called in point and figure parlance, bear confirmed. Mm-hmm. So I have to believe that yeah. the downside is the, is the problem here, mm-hmm. not the upside. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, see I, that turn? I'd, like to, I'd like to just take the opposite of that. And say, I think we're going to have a year-end rally, and let's see after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Well, well we got another week for year-end. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so, so we've got our we've got our calls out. So uh, we'll have to have you both on again to say, yeah. okay, who who made the good call, who made the bad call? <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you well, gotta, uh, maybe the after the first quarter of next year. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not making a call. I'm just saying, if you've got, if you're going to invest, maybe the best way to do it is take as little risk as possible, but also have the potential to make that gain. So, if I'm a 500 share buyer of a particular stock, I might buy five at the money calls and hold them till expiration. Mm -hmm. You cannot sell them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hate to say it, but uh, Tom's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, but but, but before we kind of close out, I, I I think. Again, one of the things that both of you offer is that there, there certainly, uh, with your years of experience, again, you know, having gone through it when, uh, Ralph, as you put it, where you didn't have a seat on the bus to, uh, you know, really yeah. kind of making a name for uh, for technical analysis and everything. You're driving the bus now. He driving the bus, exactly. You know, so, um, you know, maybe maybe we start with you, Tom. What, what kind of parting parting advice do you have for people that, I mean, we had a big inflow of new investors, you know, once we had that COVID crash and people were at home for a long time, uh, you know, I mean, everyone just saw this huge inflow of new investors. So you have all these folks that in 2020 were thinking how great stuff is. Now they've experienced a bear market and maybe they're changing their tune a little bit. Um, what's, what's your advice for, for all of these investors of the next generation? I have simple advice and it's going to sound self-serving. Get a copy of my book and read it cover to cover mm-hmm. and implement that technical analysis strategies and you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yes. That's Very it. simple. Uh, Ralph's got a book out too. Read yeah. Ralph's book. I mean, um, okay. that, no, that's, that was about the, the, the mega market, but that's one gone. That's past. It's, it's, but, but history is important to, you know, 
to oh. learn from history and stuff like that. So I, I still think, Absolutely. you know, sometimes it's great to to yeah. read about what was going on. And as as you pointed out earlier from uh, Mr. Ward, hey, right. you know, this this guy, you know, imparted you with some wisdom that you didn't use immediately. But 25 years after you got that little bit of wisdom, you knew what to do with it. So uh, what, what about you, Ralph? Uh, what kind of parting words of advice do you have for? Well, you know, uh, I, I'm, I, that's a great question. I love that question. I'm usually asked that question slightly differently. I say, hey, Ralph, you've been doing this for over 50 years. Has anything changed? Yeah. And my answer is no. You still have buyers and sellers. That's <laughs> Keep it simple. You know, uh, we have all these wonderful indicators, Fibonacci, Liberace numbers. We got the moving averages and RSIs and all this sort of stuff. And I, I, I love them and I use them, but I only own price. I don't own the indicator. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you could draw a straight line, <laughs> trends your friend. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know it sounds simple and I'm downplaying it, but I really mean it. And Tom, Tom refers to the supply and demand, it is the, the laws of supply. And that's basically what we're talking about. So has, has the psychology of investors changed, the behavioral finance? No. Charlie Dow in his editorials wrote about fear and greed in the late 1800s. Yeah. And it's still today. Come on, we're human beings. It's money. You know, we worry about our money. And then we go crazy and speculate like nuts. Well, think about the tulip craze in the six yes. in the six hundreds, and I mean, or sixteen hundreds. I mean, this it, yep. it just never it never ends. It just no. never ends. So, yeah. be kind to yourself. Trend your friend. Buy and hold if it's going up. If it's going down, I wouldn't buy it with your money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what, what Ralph just what Ralph just said is exactly that paragraph that I read that changed my life profoundly. Yeah. What he just said about supply and demand and whatnot was in that paragraph that changed my whole life. I knew why I was put here on earth, what I had to do. And what Ralph just said was that paragraph. Wow. Yeah. I didn't and, write that paragraph. <laughs> well, and, and you really summed it up with that whole, keep it simple. Oh, uh, no, it's, it's very easy to make this a complicated game with, well, you know, the the macro economic side the the technical the indicators um but at the end of the that, day that, that's that why people who follow it love it so much we're passionate about it right because it's yeah. given us the ability to have an opinion and we know if you're doing it right we know when we have to change and that's yes. the optimum word in this business change yeah. when, change. when it's wrong right. risk management darn it that's mm -hmm. that's that's yeah. the name of the game right there yeah. I mean, like what, a year ago at the, in November, all of a sudden we started seeing something was off with the market and exactly. the risk management helped us get out yes. and, and you didn't argue with the market. You didn't let the macro get you, you know, keep you in. You just yeah. listened to price and followed the trend. And when the trend was down, you just got out and protected yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I got to thank you both uh, for, for, again, sharing your knowledge uh, um, with, with all of our listeners. And um, this has been an awesome time. I really appreciate all the stories. Um, you both, you know, approach it with such humor and, and grace and uh, just a, a wealth of knowledge. So thank, thank Justin, you both so much for sharing. And that. Justin, Ralph, why don't you give that plug one more time for the CMT annual 
Oh yeah, we, we got to let Ralph do that. Yeah, because yes. Ar Arusha is going to be there. I, I can already see it in his yeah. face. Next April, April uh, next year, the in New York City, the CMT Association is going to celebrate their 50th anniversary. I can't wait just to be with all the people that are going to be there. There's going to be lots of us old timers and uh, uh, there'll be a lot of young people there and, and just sharing the ideas and, 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 and just wonderful, you know, what we have done to date. And, but that's just the beginning mm -hmm. because, you know, a lot of us, obviously people listen to the show or forecast uh, have an, an interest in the subject. But just think about it. How many people outside of this group really understand technical analysis? They don't. Yeah. They have to be no. educated. And that's what the CMT is all about. Come on, guys. More to yeah, learn. Right. Got to keep going. We need another 50 years of education. And, and so is this open to anyone? Anyone. Absolutely. Come on. Okay, perfect. Just okay. What you guys need to have Ralph and I back on when we hit 95. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. It's a date. <laughs> It's a date. Well, I like round numbers. I'm going for 100. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll start with 90. We'll start with 90, and then we'll have the, the, the follow-up at 100. How about that? Okay, awesome. There you go. Okay, well, you take care. You and I, you, you and I are going to have that Merlot, Tom. <laughs> yes, I, I, yeah, Merlot for everybody. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe we'll pull out the Mansfield charts, too. Uh, you guys. Or, or we can add an, another M and pull up the MarketSmith charts. Yeah, so, you know, you hey, we'll, yeah. we'll Merlot and MarketSmith. Yeah, there you go. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much, guys. And Thanks, on guys. our show, yeah, <laughs> on our show next week, uh, we're actually going to be taking the week off uh, between Christmas and New Year's. So it's going to be uh, based on what you voted for. Uh, a lot, Lots of uh, excitement about Jim Ropel's uh, episode that he had. So we're going to do a replay of that. So hope you join us and remember the words of wisdom that Jim Ropel shared with us uh, earlier in the year. But thanks for watching this episode and we'll see you next time. Have a great holiday, everybody. Make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.